to the Your Words Against Mine podcast, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I am your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm your other co-host, Thomas Dempsey. How's it been going? Oh, all right. Just had dinner. That sounds good. We actually had dinner um, a couple of weeks. Not oh, oh. Wow, that's actually... <laughs> you, what? I'm sorry, I meant hours. We had... <laughs> <laughs> we had... um. We had dinner a couple of hours ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's easy to lose track of things. That's what I meant to say was hours, not weeks. Yeah. No, that's I got you. <sighs> so, Elizabeth, what haven't you been reading? Well, let me tell you about my day. Okay. Because it's been a day. Okay. So... It started off this morning. A student threw up. Nice. All over her desk. Did you laugh at him? I did not. I did uh, not. Yeah, you, I really you, you wanted think... to, but I did oh, not. Oh, okay. Because uh, for the listeners at home, Elizabeth is like very susceptible to laughing at vomit. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's hilarious. I have since I was like 10. Right. Okay, you were saying? Kid, kid um, threw up. So anyway, yeah, the kid threw up. That was hilarious and awful. And then we had a fire drill. Oh, expected? I guess so. I don't think I knew about it. I don't think I was told about it, but apparently we, everybody else knew about it. And this is the first fire drill I've ever participated in where we were timed. Nice. Yeah. How'd you do? Uh, everybody was out of the building in a minute and 13 seconds. That's actually impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like a single file, I presume? Um, yeah. So each class exits the building in a single file line to like their designated area away from the school. And yeah. then the teachers and assistants have to hold up the cards. So like green is I've got all my kids. Red is I don't know where some of them are. Yellow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yellow seems that actually seems like a pretty stark binary in terms of getting kids out of a burning building. Yeah. It's like what does yellow mean? Yellow means all of my children are present, but they are not with me, but I know where they are or who they're supposed to be with. That seems kind of vague. Yeah. For a card system. <laughs> But it's, I mean, almost every single school I've ever worked at has had that card system. Oh, okay. Well, I, and I wouldn't know about it, because the last time I was involved with a fire drill uh, was in college, and half the time I just stayed in bed. There you go. Yep. I was like, I can't wait for this fire drill to be over. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me, like, so when I was in college, I guess it was like my sophomore year, um, me and my roommate lived in a really old residence hall yeah. and it was delightfully charming. It was just really old. And like, there was a quirk with the fire drill. So it kept going off. Like when I was there early for orientation leader meetings, Yeah, it kept going off at like three and four o'clock in the morning. Huh? And like one time I, I was in bed and I like reached for my 
my phone that actually had a cord in it and was connected to the wall okay that i kept in my dorm room um and called campus safety and was like do i actually need to come outside for this (laughs) and was told no so i fell back asleep only to be awoken by a fireman with an axe in his hand going what are you doing so like it was an actual fire no no it was like the fire alarm went off because like the, because somebody took a late night shower or an early morning shower and steam from the shower from the communal bathrooms like triggered the smoke alarm. Wow, that is like the exact opposite of a fire alarm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a fun day. Oh no, it's not done yet. Well, I was going to say it was off to a good start. So then the end of my day... I'm teaching my last class and over the intercom, we hear lockdown, lockdown. Oh, shoot. So I'm sitting here thinking, so me and the the classroom teacher are just like, oh, it's another drill. And they just decided to like do two drills on one day. There must've been a deadline or something. And so the assistant comes into the classroom. She's like, no, that was not a drill. She had to go outside for something. She was Mm -hmm. like, I just heard like 10 gunshots from across the street. What? <laughs> so I, I'm stuck in a kindergarten class. All the lights are off. All the kids are under their desks because, you know, even in a lockdown drill or even during a lockdown, you still have to social distance. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, I hate to uh, sort of pressure you to skip to the end, uh-huh. but are you seriously about to tell me on the podcast that you were involved in a school shooting today? No. I mean, we were fine. Like, the lockdown was over in, like, an hour. What happened? I don't know. Somebody in the neighborhood just decided to start shooting a gun. And then the police determined that it was, like, no big deal. So, the lockdown was lifted and we all got to go home. Okay. Wow. I have never... That is wild. Yeah. (sighs) And then I came home and got a new phone. Okay, I've got to stop letting you go first. Because, goodness, my life is so much more mundane than yours. Here I was about to talk about, like, the Criterion cell was this past week. Picked up Parasite and Moonstruck on Blu-ray. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, at least it was. Tired to show out. Okay, well, I say that's enough table setting. Uh, Let's say we talk books. Okay, let's talk books. Okay, so what have you been reading? Um, not a whole lot actually. I, I don't know. I've I guess I've just been going through like a reader slump or some reader fatigue. Actually, I'll tell you. Yes. Actually, no. I take that back. I I got sucked into a new webtoon app. Oh, yeah. I, I remember you were into this, uh, uh, well, wow. I almost said last year, but in terms of, yeah, hold on. I did visit you last year at least once. Yeah. I want to say, but the last time I was over here, over there, when you were into Webtoons was, had to have been 2019 mm-hmm. at the latest. So, 
you know, for a little while there, I was, like, super into, like, different Webtoon apps, like, anyway, just, like, the different ones. And then this new one came on the market, and, like, they were doing some really heavy advertising for this one particular Webtoon that um, is only available on this app. Um, Okay. Every time I went through Facebook, every time I went through Instagram, like, I saw advertisements for this Webtoon. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to download the app and see what this webtoon's about and it's really good and then i find out that this particular webtoon app is going about paid content differently than the other webtoon apps how does it work it's based on a subscription service oh all right so the webtoon app you pay like four bucks a month for it and you get access to whatever you want sure um instead of like other webtoon apps where they might give you like the first three or four episodes for free and then you've got to like buy into their currency system and spend coins to like read further episodes okay and i really like the the subscription service method better because i'm not gonna lie like if i was super into a webtoon i would drop 20 bucks Ooh. No problem. So I could finish it. Okay. Yeah, I um, my extent in that realm has been, uh, well, I do have a uh, subscription service in the Shonen Jump app. It operates on a monthly subscription of uh, two dollars, mm-hmm. and then you get access to like some of their old archived series and weekly updates. But. Uh, the closest thing to the webtoon thing that you were describing that I was involved with was uh, Tapastic. Mm-hmm. Or t- I, I believe tapas? that's what it... Tapas, yeah. I, it, we used to... I believe Tapas was shortened from something else. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I used to have Tapas on my phone. I probably still do. I just haven't used it in ages. And their model was you could read all of the comics, I believe, for free. And then you there was a currency that you could buy and then just like use it to tip readers or tip the writers rather and i guess the authors would get reimbursed from i guess the money people sent in and whatever from the company Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i don't know if tapas is still going or on yeah no it is okay it's i have it on my phone all right. I mean, I haven't. I don't think I've opened it in like months, but it's still there. Sure. Well, there is one more uh, uh, comic app that I use. It's called Bookwalker. Uh huh. And it's mostly for like uh, manga and light novels, which light novels are uh, essentially the uh, Japanese equivalent of young adult novels. Mm hmm. And uh, so those get translated into English. A lot of them like become the basis for manga and anime series okay but uh so bookwalker is a pretty um pretty established uh outlet for that sort of thing and a couple weeks back for valentine's day they were having a sale on this series called uh hori mia and it recently got an anime adaptation so that was sort of a a co-branding thing with them but i bought like the first six volumes of that so like maybe 20 bucks, I want to say. And uh, I actually think you'd probably like it. It's uh, like starts out with a very like muted premise and then just sort of like goes on about like sort of 
slice of life character uh drama and comedy uh-huh and uh yeah i bought the first six volumes read them all and i guess now just waiting to see if they go on sale again but uh the bookwalker app the thing that makes it enticing is in addition to like titles going on sale every now and then you also earn currency on your purchases so you can like see so sometimes if, if a book goes on sale it could like have its price be lowered or they could just have it be where you earn more of the uh, in-shop currency for purchasing a given book and then you can use that to redeem towards other stuff okay yeah so it's a sort of the a gamified sort of currency system that they've got going on there oh sorry said yeah. gamified that reminds me um we have a new game shop in my town Oh, yeah, I, th- I think you might have mentioned that last time I was, you talked to me. Um, it's like a board game store, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like a board game store, and they, so they have like a board game night, and a 18 and older night, um, and D&D, and Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magic, and like all that stuff, and, and they sell boba. Right, boba tea. And I have not been by there yet to try the boba. I think I might do that tomorrow, at when That'd I on my way fun. home from work. All right, so... Uh, in last week's episode, we said that this week we'd be discussing Black History Month, and uh, Elizabeth, did you said that you'd been doing some Black History work with your school that you're teaching at. Yeah, so, um, like, I plan my lessons in cycles due to the nature of my schedule at my home school. Um, so I chose, I chose to, I chose two different spirituals to sing this cycle um one for my older kids introducing three-part harmony and then one for my younger kids um introducing the harmonic concept of descant and so like I've, i've incorporated that into my lesson and then i've also collected some videos um of historic african american figures in music um, I try to get a couple of different genres and then I've had some kids like throw out ideas that I've incorporated as well. And so oh. like at some point during class, we would do like a black history month moment where we would watch like a two to three minute performance, but, or by one of the African-American musical figures. And then we would just kind of talk about it. And like, I'd let the kids ask questions and I'd let them voice their opinions and things like that. So, some of the figures that I picked, or actually the figures that I picked, were like Marian Anderson, Mahalia Jackson, uh, Louis Armstrong, and Duke Ellington. And then one of my students said, you know, you really should include Otis Redding, too. So, um, I did include him. Did you know that Dock of the Bay was released posthumously? I don't think I knew that. Like the album? Or, no, the single. Oh, the single. Because he died in 67 and Sitting on the Dock of the Bay was released in January of 68. Oh, man. Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. And then the kids started asking me about it. Like, how well did this song do when it was released? And thank now, God when- for Wikipedia. Yeah, I was going to say, when it comes to those kinds of questions, do you just sort of make a make it a, 
are you just like overt about your you looking it up online oh yeah yeah no because i just think that's very important from an educational perspective of admitting yeah. when you don't know something and then showing how you look it up yeah i think that's a good uh, lesson to teach so yeah uh, well, no i straight up admit like if i don't know something or if i mess up sure so um I was trying to get uh, go for a broad swath of uh, authors and writing styles when I was uh, looking for stuff to read for Black History Month, and uh, I of the books I read this month, I finished two, and I started two others, mm-hmm. and the two that I started were uh, both uh, texts on um, race and racism, one by uh, Ibram X. Kendi called how to be an anti-racist and uh the other was uh why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria by beverly daniel tatum mm-hmm. now uh the tatum book was written in 97 and recently got a 20th anniversary re-release uh-huh. with uh like updated um like introduction and chapters and such and it was really interesting to read Especially the first parts of that because it sort of chronicled the intervening years between when the book was first published and sort of like the developing nature of uh, race relations in America since then. Mm -hmm. And it goes right up through the election of Donald Trump. So there's a a lot that was covered there. And um, the other book, which I haven't read as much of, but I'm uh, going to be finishing both of these. Uh, how to be an anti-racist it's like seems more from like a uh, where uh, the Tatum seemed like a like scientific study Mm -hmm. it drew on like psychological like research and experience on uh, the writer's part Uh, the Kendi seems more like uh, grounded in personal essays Mm -hmm. so I'll be getting more into those and I'll be able to speak to them more in depth when I finish them, uh, prob- most likely for next episode. But uh, the two books I f- did read. The first was a uh, collection of short stories by uh, Nanakwame Ajebrinya mm-hmm. called uh, Friday Black. And it's just a, uh, like a little 200-page short story collection, uh, g- mostly genre fiction, and mostly... Like, through various, um, like, racially charged subjects. So, like, the first book in the, uh, the first story in the book is, uh, about, like, a heinous race crime that sets off, like, a, like, a spree of, uh, I guess, revenge killings mm-hmm. across America. And then, oh, yeah, later in the book, there's this story about a amusement park that, basically asks acts as like simulated like hate crimes basically oh my gosh yeah where where like people specifically white people can go to i guess live out racist fantasies basically and the book and the story is narrated from the perspective of a black man who works at the park as the quote-unquote assailant in a lot of these like scenarios so yeah there's a there's a lot of pretty intense stuff in this book 
uh, there's another story about a uh, a school shooter and his victim meeting up in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, and I'd absolutely recommend that uh, people seek it out because it's really well written. Really, uh, it, it's provocative, but not I think shock like excessively shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of what I described seemed pretty intense, but it's all handled pretty tactfully. And there are a lot of other like more grounded stories. There's um, as the uh, title might suggest, there's a lot of discussions of retail. Yeah, but uh, I definitely yeah recommend people give it a look. But even more so, well, not even more so. I would definitely say ninety uh, percent check the book out to read it for the quality of the writing. But then that last ten percent, I would have to say. You have to buy this book because, like, it is just sheer, simply one of the most beautiful-looking books I own. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it's a glossy, like, paperback edition with uh, French flaps. It's got the beveled edges on the pages, and it's got interior illustrations on the cover. Mm, nice. So, yeah, very nice on front and back. So it just looks super good. Yeah. There's like a uh, gr- glossy finish to the cover image. The lettering on the title is uh, elevated. So it's got a great texture to it. And it's just a great book to own. Mm-hmm. So if you, and it's not that expensive. My copy is like $14. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, for oh, $15. Is, but, it, uh, is it an indie publication? No, it's uh, published by uh, Mariner. Which, okay. let me just check out the, um, uh, a Mariner original Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that publishing house is, is really, really big now. Oh, okay. That particular subsidiary of that publishing house may be geared more toward indie releases, but. Sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, and anyway, they did a really good job with this one. Okay. But, uh, the other book I, uh, I read, which, um, I'm might want to talk about after a break okay all right so we'll come back from the break and we'll talk about the other book i read and then we'll uh get into uh some other business sounds good and we're back from break this is your words against mine a competitive reading podcast and before we launch into the second book i read for black history month elizabeth you said you wanted to talk about something Yes. So you mentioned that you had started to read how to be an anti-racist and it immediately made me think of this TikTok that I saw um, earlier this week uh, by a TikToker. I don't even know that this person is a TikToker. They just have a TikTok account that I happen to follow and I really enjoy their content. Um, but I don't think they actually like make their money from it. But okay. the TikTok account is Black Fluid Poet. Um, and... The, the creator of this particular TikTok account is a gender-fluid black person. Um, and so he stitched another TikToker or another TikTok where a white woman was like, okay, after I read this book, which is The New Jim Crow, what order should I read these other books in? And one of those books was How to Be an Anti-Racist. And so anyway, this, this guy, he said, 
your list that you came up with is wonderful. He said, but what I recommend you do is do not read the new Jim Crow just yet. He was like, out of your list, what you need to be reading. Um, he said, you need to read White Fragility first. He goes, because you're going to be confronted with some stuff. And you're going to need some time to deal with what you are confronted with. Okay. And then he said, after you read White Fragility, then you need to go into how to be an anti-racist. But there is a workbook that goes along with that book. Okay. And he highly recommended that you get the workbook and complete the workbook as you read through the actual book. Huh. Okay. I might have to look that up because I've read... Uh, white fragility and uh yeah i can see how that'd be a good start entry point for that kind of education yeah so that was his suggestion again his tiktok account is at black fluid poet um and i think you should go check him out yeah do we have a tiktok we don't (laughs) we might get on that we should we should get on tiktok and produce bookish content because there is a niche for that All right. Uh, There is actually another social media thing that uh, I wanted to make mention of, and it's called uh, Storygraph. I just heard about this on a recent episode of uh, Reading Glasses. Uh Uh-huh. And it's billing itself basically as a book recommendation app where you can log your reading and, I guess, like, set reading challenges for yourself. And based on what you read the app will recommend other books for you to read. Hmm. So I've got a Your Words podcast account set up, and I figured that over the next couple of weeks, we could like set about logging what we read for this show yeah. into the account. I'll, I'll email you the login information so that we can both access it. Yeah, We can just log our reading into it and then learn more about what we can be reading. That'll be really interesting since we're going to be plugging in both of our... Yeah. Like, when I first set up the account, it asked for, like, uh, genre preferences, so mm-hmm. I was sure to put romance in there. But then okay. I kept it pretty general with, like, fantasy, sci-fi, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, and also, it is black-owned. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Storygraph, and uh, now we can talk about the uh, other book I read this month, and uh, it is... a. Uh, it's probably like one of my favorite books I've read this year. It is a the Penguin Deluxe Edition of Revolutionary Suicide by Huey P. Newton. Now, do you know who uh, Huey Newton is? No idea. All right. But he is one of the co-founders of the Black Panther Party. Oh. Yeah, and the book was written in uh, the 1970s. I want to, uh, let's see if it, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking at the publication. Yeah. The book was written in 1973 and that was two years after, uh, Huey Newton was, uh, released from a two year prison sentence. The book is, uh, like part autobiography, part outline of the Black Panther like mission statements and uh, foundational history. And then in the latter half of the book, it just goes full into courtroom drama. Oh. Well, okay, basically what happened was... Um, what had happened 19- was... Yeah, in like 1968, he was uh, 
It was like the morning after his probation had ended for a fight he'd gotten into a year or so earlier. And he got pulled over by these cops. He uh, was asked to step out of the car. He was taken to the... uh, He was walked over to the policeman's car. And then the police punched him in the face and shot him in the stomach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then he sort of lost a sense that like his senses after that point but he recalls like somehow arriving at a hospital and going into the er and receiving treatment uh-huh. and what had happened was the police officer who shot him had been killed oh and he was being charged with the murder and so the latter half of revolutionary suicide is the account of the night in question the uh, trial that followed, his uh, stint in prison following his conviction of uh, manslaughter, Mm -hmm. which was then overturned in appeal. And then he had like a couple of follow-up trials that uh, eventually got the charges dropped after I think like two hung juries. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's really like... It's a really interesting and, and like exciting. Well, I hate calling it exciting, but it's like sort of undeniable that it's just like the events of that day are so compelling. Yeah. And uh, uh, Huey's like authorial voice is like really striking, and the way, and it's there's another interesting element to it. The book is this edition of the book was published after his death in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, the book is has an introduction by his wife, and it goes to, it goes to lengths to emphasize that this book was published like like fifteen years, like before his death, and so during that follow up time, the the book basically encourages you to seek out his later works, and okay. to understand that this book itself is as much a part of his early history as like anything that is recorded in it Mm -hmm. so it's just the sort of thing that i uh find interesting about reading like classic books like these is that you're essentially getting two books uh in one you're getting the book itself and then you're sort of getting the historical context surrounding the book yeah and this book does a really good job of emphasizing like its place as like a historical document Mm -hmm. and into a record so, yeah, I'd really recommend checking it out. That's Revolutionary Suicide by Huey P. New. I should clarify the name. Uh, Revolutionary Suicide is was Huey P. Newton's concept of be, of that uh, kind of death being opposed to what he called reactionary suicide, mm-hmm. which is the conventional like thing of somebody killing themselves out of despair. Whereas yeah. Revolutionary Suicide is essentially like opposing the systems that oppress you to the point where they will result in your death so not to like say like sacrifice your life but be willing to die all the same for a progressive cause yeah so that's where that title comes from and that's sort of like the the core of the book going through it okay yeah but uh, so anyway, that's uh, my what I've been reading. You want to talk about what you've been up to, and then we can 
sort of swing on into the end of things? So, like I mentioned earlier, I've kind of like hit some reader's fatigue. And I think that's mostly because I am the kind of reader who I'm like, if I'm reading a book, then I, and I didn't used to be this way, but when I'm reading a book, like I am only reading that book until I'm done. Right. And I hit a book that like, I don't know, it was hard to get through. Um, it was a book that I found through, you know, my subscription service. Uh, that I utilize and it was called flock and it's the first book in the Ravenhood series by Kate Stewart. And what it's about, it's about this 19 year old girl named Cecilia who goes to spend a year with her father. Her father lives in North Carolina and she grew up in like Atlanta. Okay. And her parents were never married, um, and she didn't really have a whole lot to do with her dad growing up. Like, she would go spend, like, summers and stuff with him, but that kind of stopped, like, right around the time she hit puberty. So, he based, and so she's 19 years old, and she's had, like, nothing to do with him since she was, like, 11. And now he's basically like, if you want your inheritance you're going to have to come live with me and like work in the factory and learn the family trade for a year. And then you're guaranteed your inheritance. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it because her mom's like going through a rough patch. And apparently like her mom's like real flaky. The girl basically had to like raise herself. And so she's just like, I'm doing this for mom. Cause I, you know, when I get my inheritance, mom will be set and I'll be okay. Um, so then she meets a guy who's a little bit older than her and he like introduces her to his way of life. And I don't know, he like lives with a couple of his friends and he's like very vague and he's very philosophical and he's all like, you've got to like tap into your higher way of thinking. And uh, I don't know, like the reason why it was so hard for me to get through this book is because it was it was almost written too well from the perspective of a 19 year old. I remember being a 19 year old girl and I remember thinking that my life was so exciting, but to read it in a novel, it's not, <laughs> it's more like infuriating. Cause you just want to sit there and you're like, I don't know. Like you've got this F boy who's over here. Like he may or may not be playing mind games. You don't know. Um, right. I feel like the protagonist is doing what she, what women are quote unquote supposed to be doing. And he's like, I've given you all the information you need to know. And she's like, no, you haven't. Like, I just need you to like communicate with me clearly and tell me what's going on so that I can make informed decisions. And he's like, you can't know. Anyway, I, I ended up finishing it because she ended up getting another love interest who I'm much more interested in than the, this first guy. Um, I don't know if I'll continue on with the series or not. It's (sighs) yeah. Okay. Well, was there anything else you read? (laughs) Yeah. I also read, um, the first two books in a romance series. Um, the romance series is called the 
Charon or Charon. I don't know. It's like from Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, Motorcycle Club series. Okay. And it's romance, and it's about three. It's about three former Marines who join a motorcycle club because the FBI wants them to spy. Oh. <laughs> and, like, those are good. Like, I've read the first two books in the series, and, like, those are good books because, you know, all the characters are, I guess, like, more like my age right now. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, we've dealt with real-world problems, and we and we know how to do, you know, like, we've dealt with this, we know what we want in life, and so that's just what we're going to do. And, like, I very much, it was a lot more relatable than the other book I read. Okay, so... Uh, if that's everything everybody's read this month, you want to uh, look into word totals? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, uh, let's see, I got my... Oh, that's not it. Why, why don't you start? Okay. So, since our last episode, I've read an additional 180,000 words. Yeah, 180,576 words, which brings my grand total for the year... Up to 898,652 words. Okay. Well, we are still keeping things close uh, between the two books I read. Uh, the first, uh, Friday Black, having a word count of 61,235 words. And a Revolutionary Suicide, having 131,601 words. My total word count has gone from 692,120 to 884,956. Oh. Yeah, so it is close. It is close. Yes. And hey, uh, if I want to put some fire on your heels, can I talk about my experience with the serial reading app? Of course. Go right ahead. All right. Well. As our listeners may know, about a month ago, Elizabeth assigned for me to get started with the serial reading app, and I have been doing so, and basically the night after we recorded that episode, I signed up and downloaded my first book, which I've been reading uh, more or less uh, consistently. Sometimes I'll have to catch up on a day or two, but um, I've been keeping on top of it fairly well, and the book that I've chosen to read is uh, Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. That was an Oprah book club pick. Really? Okay, I don't yeah, think I knew that. it was. But uh, the edition I'm reading, or the translation I'm reading, rather, the um, seems to be the one utilized by uh, the Barnes & Noble edition. Uh-huh. So if you're looking up the... Because uh, I know translators can vary from edition to edition, so that's the one that... I've got it logged ass on Goodreads, and okay. that's the one I'll be uh, sourcing, I guess, when it comes time to do a page count okay. or a word count. But uh, And what Serial will do is every now and then it will update you on your progress, giving you a rough estimate of how many words you've read so far. Mm -hmm. And after finishing a recent uh, chapter, the Serial app told me that I had read so far 50,000 words. All right. So yeah, I'm not count. I'm not putting it towards my word total just yet because I haven't finished the book. But uh, that's sort of where we stand at the moment. Sounds like I need to get my butt in the gear. Yeah. Well, 
we'll just have to wait and see <laughs> and uh but anyway that's my i'm going to be carrying on with that challenge uh for the months to come it'll probably be around summertime that i get around to finishing it at this rate because it's mm -hmm. a very long book and the yeah. app has me reading it in like 10 minute installments right it lends itself pretty well to it because it's one of those books that's long but divided up into rev relatively short chapters you gotta love it when that happens yeah it was the same thing with uh moby dick yeah it's like a 600 page book that has like 178 chapters or something like that mm -hmm. so like most chapters are only like a handful of pages yeah but uh that was my that would be my experience with that challenge moving forward and now we come to the point in the episode where a new reading challenge is assigned yep you said you had something new for me to hit tackle i sure do uh, let's um, hear it okay so i don't i even though we live in the same state like we live on opposite sides of the state um so i don't know how the weather's been your way but like over the past couple days i have been like like the you know it's been warm springtime is possibly here there hasn't been a cloud in the sky it's just been it's just been lovely and like i all i've wanted to do is like be languid and lazy and like read a book and take naps like that's all i've wanted to do right like forget going to work like i just want to read a book and take naps um so but I think we're due for some rain soon. So, um, which also just kind of makes me want to read books and take naps. Yes. So I, I haven't, it, this author wrote quite possibly one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and I feel like her style of writing and the atmosphere that she sets in her works very much, gives you that feeling of being languid and wanting to be lazy and wanting to read books and take naps. So, um, her name is Amy Bender. Okay. And it's like Amy spelt like the French way. Um, A I M E E. Okay. Bender. And your challenge is to read two of her books. One is okay. a novel. One is a short story collection. Oh, you, you have the books picked out for me yes i do okay um so there's two books one is like i said one's a novel one's a short story collection so the novel was the first thing i ever read by her and that is what is quite possibly my favorite book of all time and it is called the particular sadness of lemon cake oh you know i've heard of this oh my god i love this book so much <laughs> okay um so uh, well, you don't uh, tell me what it's about i I'll... won't yeah okay um so like so the novel is the particular sadness of lemon cake and then the short story collection is actually i do believe the last thing she has published i don't think she's published anything else since this has come out right um and that would be the short story collection which is called the color master okay and you've read both i've read both all right and i loved both well i look forward to it i'm so glad and I, I i think you will enjoy these these are these are like the antithesis of the books that i tend to talk about on this podcast oh well there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> um but i i've read but i have read both of these i may read 
I may reread both of these, actually. It's been a couple years. And I loved both of these. So that's your All challenge. Right. Well, I look forward to it. And I'll be getting on that straight away. And that about does it for us this week. Hey, Elizabeth. Yeah. You know what time it is. What? <laughs> time to plug our frigging social media. Oh, oh, we oh, have yeah. not done it in months. <laughs> it's like we'll finish recording, we'll get off the line, and I'll like go do some whatever, <laughs> and you, and then I'll just remember. Oh crap, we've got like, we've got contacts. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Your Words Against Mine Podcast. Um, yeah. And Alrighty. we really need to do better about, like, I do an okay job. I don't do the greatest, but I do an okay job of, like, uploading to the Facebook page. But, like, we really yeah. need to upload to Instagram. <laughs> sure. And I post stuff to Twitter. Yes, you do. You do a great job with our Twitter account. I've been I've been pretty lax the last couple of weeks, but yeah, I, I try to, I make a game of it. I occasionally, like, get my personal Twitter account and our podcast Twitter account confused Oh, and sure. then and then we'll go through and like like and retweet stuff and then I'm like oh wait this is the podcast oh well the, the viewpoint oh, well. I'm like oh well the viewpoints are the same sure all right well that about does it Elizabeth thank you for uh, joining us joining us tonight well, I mean where else would I be I'm the co-host <laughs> that's true and I'm your other co-host so telling you our listener goodbye. <laughs> Bye.